Hello and welcome to your regular weekly GradCast, the official podcast and radio show of the Society of Graduate Students here at the University of Western Ontario. My name is Yimin Chen and I'm here with my good buddy, Connor. Hey, uh, today we're both here to interview Lisa Mashinsky. She's a second year master's student in uh, health and rehabilitation sciences. Uh, how's it going, Lisa? Pretty good. How are you, Connor? I'm doing pretty well. So uh, what are you studying? Um, so I'm in rehabilitation science, uh, which is under health sciences here. Um, my specific work is in informal caregiver experiences for specifically people with Parkinson's disease um, living in southwestern Ontario. Okay, so to break down a couple yes. parts of that, um, <laughs> let's go over Parkinson's disease, like some of the main mm-hmm. parts of it that are relevant to caregivers and yeah. how it kind of manifests, when it kind of manifests. What mm-hmm. is Parkinson's disease? Yeah, that's, okay. the, that's the one we're um, So Parkinson's disease, it's the second most common neurodegenerative disorder in Canada, so second to Alzheimer's disease. Um, something that's a bit different about it than Alzheimer's is it features mainly um, motor deficits. Right. So I think when most people hear it, hear the word Parkinson's, if they know what it is at all, they're kind of thinking about like tremor or, mm-hmm. you know, shuffled walking. Um, that's one side of it. Um, often it has a non-motor profile as well so um, a lot of people who have Parkinson's disease experience like sleep issues that don't have to do with movement Um, chronic pain um, mental health experiences um, mood and anxiety disorders within that but also like psychosis um, hallucinations apathy so there's there's kind of a, a profile of different things that can happen as well. Um, and because they're less visual and less kind of talked about commonly, that kind of is sort of more distressing um, for caregivers often because that's not something that they're necessarily focused on or expecting. And then, you know, but it, it can change your relationship with the person more than you know, and, and decreased ability to move. Mm-hmm. Right. So. And, and and often the role of a caregiver, you said informal caregivers. Yes. So, so to clarify what that is, um, an informal caregiver is like a family member or a very close friend. Right. Who, the yeah. people who kind of drive you to your appointments, the people who, you know, there's a lot of medications involved with Parkinson's, people who help administer that. Um you know, like carry out the kind of day-to-day stuff. Um, And, you know, that can turn into like 50, 60 hours um, in some studies of your week. So, you know, it can become kind of almost like a full-time job that, you know, was kind of thrust upon you and you don't necessarily plan for that. Um, Parkinson's happens... There are early onset cases, like Michael J. Fox is an example Mm -hmm. in the kind of public consciousness. Um, Most of the time it happens in individuals over 60. Right. So, you know, retirement age and then something that kind of has come up in some of the work that I've done and and my supervisor has done um, 
has kind of talked about like you plan for retirement Mm -hmm. you plan this time of your life for your whole life yeah and then you get there or you almost get there and then this thing happens and then all of your plans slowly disappear yeah um and so that can be distressing for kind of the whole family and and not to say that um people can't adjust they absolutely can just um you gotta kind of make sure that there's things in place in case people having a hard time adjusting and because again it's neurodegenerative Mm -hmm. it changes over time again and again and again yeah it's not just like there's kind of one day you have it yeah it's one day you notice some changes and then the more time goes on the more changes there are yeah does it does it compare to other neurodegenerative diseases like like alzheimer's and that it's kind of gradual yeah 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 yeah. i think all kind of neurodegenerative neurodegenerative diseases um kind of have that in common yeah um it's not as drastic i'd say as als but i'd say like caregiver experiences can kind of be a little bit more parallel just because there is that sort of motor aspect but also psychological aspects so Mm -hmm. it's a similar kind of thing with sort of lack of physical function being kind of the dominant aspect in terms of like medical care and you know that experience while there's other things going on that that are maybe just as or more impactful on on somebody's day-to-day yeah so you said some of these informal caregivers um they were working something like 50 hours a week uh supporting their Mm -hmm. loved ones uh i mean that's that's a full-time job that's more than a full-time job right yeah so what sort of things um are they doing in this time what sort of support is necessary for people with parkinson's Um, in these situations so with parkinson's more so with like Parkinson's patients who become very anxious there's Mm -hmm. a lot of like fear of falling and that's something that is present in just elderly um, people Um, you don't have to have any kind of disorder to be afraid of falling once your your bones and joints are a little more fragile Mm -hmm. but um, for people with Parkinson's there is a common thread of feeling the need to be supervised and this isn't every parkinson's patient right yeah some people with parkinson's might really want their independence but as time goes on like a lot of them will start to feel like what if you're not there and so they become kind of tied to the person um so there's even just like the supervision aspect but then also if you're seeing like a bunch of different specialists Mm -hmm. You know, by that age, you might have other, you know, diabetes or like comorbidities. But once you lose the ability to drive, you have to be driven everywhere. So it's those types of things. It's medication, making sure you're taking every pill um, whenever they need to be taken, Um, cooking for them. Um, Toileting is something that starts to happen further down. And yeah, if there's any kind of dementia there as well, like, again, with the supervision, it's not just the anxiousness for the person, but also making sure that they're safe. Um, So, yeah, that's kind of a a bit of the profile. (laughs) Okay. And do you have an idea of um, sort of who 
is um, performing these sort of informal support roles? Yeah, so within kind of the body of literature, most mm-hmm. often it's spouses. Okay. Um, Parkinson's is a little bit more prevalent in men. So it's the most kind of common profile that comes up as a female spouse. Right. Um, more and more, I think, adult children are also taking on that role. Okay. Um, so those are kind of the two big ones. Other people within research and kind of my own research included are like nephews and nieces or mm-hmm. siblings. So, but it's it's also like it's a non-discriminant disorder. So it's not like right. it's more prevalent in different cultural groups and things like that. It's It's kind of everywhere. So are there, I mean, I imagine there must be some uh, significant challenges for Mm. these um, informal support caregivers, right? Uh, Especially you're saying spouses if Parkinson's is an age-related disease, Mm -hmm. right? So their spouses must also be very often, you know, close to, uh, you know, senior elderly age and therefore Mm -hmm. facing their own problems. Yeah. Like, what sort of special challenges must there be in those sorts of situations? What, um, so of course there's the person coping with Parkinson's, but Mm -hmm. like, their spouse must have their own problems. Yeah. Um, and often it's something that causes a lot of anxiety for right. informal caregivers is what if I get sick? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and what if something happens to me? And I, I think it also kind of comes down to, though, how much other social support is there? Right, yeah. What does your family life look like mm-hmm. if you're, you know, an elderly couple that never had children yeah. and are both only children yourselves? You don't have another generation um so that's also kind of where like an economic aspect happens where if you have made enough money if you've saved enough money um you might be able to to pay for some kind of support there but then if you don't have that (laughs) um there's there's kind of more questions than answers right so if that's the informal support the Mm -hmm. caregivers like is there any formal, I guess? Uh, like, what other options um, are there? Are there? I mean, there's a number of, of things you can do. Like, mm-hmm. you can... Uh, is there government assistance, is I there suppose, government or assistance? things like that? Um, I believe so. Mm-hmm. I don't... I'm not, like, 100% certain of what all of the different government supports are. Right. I know... Parkinson's Society of Southwestern Ontario has some kind of community resources that aren't necessarily government funded. Um, but sort of yeah. the point is most <laughs> of this burden falls upon um, friends, family, their yeah. sort of yeah. informal caregivers. Yeah, like it's yours okay. to figure out and to navigate. And there is government support now. Um, you know, but that's something that I think a lot of people don't necessarily know exactly what there is. Like, Mm -hmm. um, I know I was in a focus group um, that my supervisor was running. And if you go to an occupational therapist, which is what my supervisor is by trade, um, you can get some kind of reimbursement for, you know, those like chairs that go down the stairs. You see a lot on infomercials. Yeah. Yeah. so you can get reimbursement for some of that. 
Right. Um, and so this one gentleman was talking about how he got one for his wife and he was all proud about it. And then I felt so bad when my supervisor was like, did you talk to an occupational therapist about that? Because you could have got help. And he he completely didn't know. So I think mm-hmm. that that's a part of <clears throat> kind of the issue here is mm-hmm. a bit of like a lack of communication between what's out there, what's available, and what are people accessing. Yeah. Right. Um, and yeah. And and big like installations like that are yeah. really expensive things. I imagine. I imagine yes. they're they're certainly the kind of thing that the average person could not afford without some kind of form of assistance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know how much they are, but again, like, I think a lot of the people there kind of said, like, they talked about, like, oh, I had, like, retirement savings that we were going to use to travel, and now, so, you know, we used it for these things, like, to get a different car that is better or easier for them to get into or that kind of thing. So, yeah, it can be can be a lot to take on right. in your life. And and this is more the, the, the meat of what you're researching. It's not quite Parkinson's it, itself in, yeah. in terms of the mechanism, but more yeah. the experience that these caregivers are, are going through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what's kind of the mechanism of your work? Like what, what, are, you, what are you typically doing um, kind of in your <laughs> research? So there's sort of two prongs to this study itself. Um, there's the focus groups that my supervisor carried out and then the work that I was focused on more was um, like an online survey so we collected sort of demographic information information on activities of daily living like how much assistance does the person that you care for need how much help do you get Mm -hmm. informal and formal Um, what types of resources are you accessing if Mm -hmm. any you know, what types of resources do you feel like you need? Yeah. Um, those types of questions. And then we used two measures of this concept called caregiver burden, which is sort of a bit nebulous in the research, okay. but it's also very pervasive. So yeah. um, what it generally gets at is the concept of being like overwhelmed mm-hmm. by the experience of being a caregiver and kind of like loss of self. Yeah. And some people really don't feel that burdened. Um, I don't mm-hmm. love that word, but they don't feel that overwhelmed by what's going on. And it also depends on, you know, what stage of the disease you're at. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, others do. So if you, that's sort of something that we wanted to investigate in terms of how many people in this area that we can contact or get to um, are experiencing some kind of feeling of being overwhelmed. And then we also included a newer measure um, that measures health-related quality of life, but it's specific to Parkinson's caregivers. So um, that one I think is a little bit more just sort of looking into having that as like a validation thing. Right. Um, And then in terms of how we're going to analyze the data, because we have, I think, all the responses we're going to get. Like there's global scores that you can look at for the three questionnaires. Um, 
beyond that, I think there's also like I'd like to kind of look at like all of these questionnaires are Likert scales. So like how people like the different types of questions that you can pull out, like there's different ways of going beyond just those global scores right. that I'd like to kind of get into. So just uh, maybe <laughs> just make sure I understand a bit yeah. more of your like how the questionnaire is, is structured. Mm-hmm. Um, there does it report does it report a score or does it report a combination of, of several different scores uh, several or, different scores right several different scores mm-hmm. all of the measuring kind of uh, caregivers experience with um, mm-hmm. their sense of I, I know we were avoiding the word burden but like but burden. Y- whether or not they feel overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah they're yeah they're, they're, yeah. they're burden. Um, and is is there essentially like a almost like a normal you're looking at or if it if it reports as this this a specific number or threshold or whatever you're saying that's much worse than we were expecting or that's that's much more than we were expecting or is there um, kind of is that sort of the form you're yeah like you're we're kind of going yeah. into it with sort of a descriptive lens so right. saying just sort of where the like strata that we can find like yeah what levels of burden yeah mm-hmm. used air quotes um can we establish here yeah and then and then what kind of a range almost is yeah there, right? yeah okay. and like to me it's also you score high globally but then like what are the things that you're ranking as like consistently the pieces of your life that are contributing to the score of burden yeah so some questions surround like social supports some questions surround you know amount of time for yourself some questions around like feelings of self-efficacy right Um, so those different kind of concepts and and the kind of answer you could get from this is is something like out of you know everyone finds some things difficult but what's the thing that everyone finds difficult yes or are there patterns that we can we can see um and how does that connect to then the focus group data as well and and right yeah um all of this is in partnership with the parkinson society of southwestern ontario okay um and they they already offer like i think monthly social groups but there's a question of you know, if you're if your loved one is in a further stage, do you have time to go and like they're offered, I think, in London and Goderich. Right. But if you don't live in one of those areas or if you have to drive, you don't necessarily like have somebody else. So like how can we mm-hmm. get to other people who are in positions where they can't reach out to that one thing? Yeah. Um or like how can that agency also advocate for the government to make other changes that maybe make caregivers' lives easier? So is this sort of the um, the, the goal of your yeah. research in conjunction with the, um, the Parkinson Society? Like mm-hmm. what more they could be doing? What could they be paying attention to? Things like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Kind of how do you most effectively target mm-hmm. different areas because there isn't really any data on the focus or like focus groups the the social groups Mm -hmm. to see if that makes a difference or to see like are people needing something else because you know another big part of it is having to do a lot of like very physical things sometimes if you're you know loading somebody in and out of a car Mm -hmm. uh stuff like that 
Um, and sort of a lack of feeling good about your ability to do that. So is it also, is it something like would putting together a training course mm-hmm, right. help? Um, would online kind of CBT like sessions help when you're having people who are dealing with a spouse who maybe is very paranoid? Mm-hmm, yeah. um, you know, there's all these different types of things that can be contributing and and this is sort of one way of getting at some of those areas yeah and 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 so so what does uh the southwestern ontario the parkinson society of southwestern ontario yes it's quite a mouthful okay, I know. <laughs> so, um what are some of the things that they are already doing like what are some of the supports that they can offer to um really it's those little social groups and then they do some things that I think caregivers can participate in so I know they offer boxing for the people with Parkinson's themselves Um, this is so like the sport boxing yes yes is is this like the the Muhammad Ali kind of connection there (laughs) yeah Uh, no he did have Parkinson's though right yeah Um, so it's it's called rock steady boxing so okay. it's this program that i can't remember where it was developed where it's specifically geared toward keeping people with parkinson's active oh right. cool um which is fantastic right um but just i think there does kind of from sort of preliminary data that my supervisor collected um a quote that really stuck out to me that i'm not going to like give directly mm-hmm. but basically it was this woman reached out to um, the social worker who'd been assigned to help um, her husband. Mm -hmm. And she reached out because she felt like she needed to talk to somebody. Right. And the social worker said, well, I can only help if the person with Parkinson's is also in the room. And then it became a session about the person with Parkinson's. Right. So... It's not just these like community programs that I think are necessary. It's also like, can you can you have a like person to call if you just need to talk, um, which is maybe lacking. And I think that's maybe something that they would like to get into. But yeah, so kind of in yeah. a way recognizing that these sort of illnesses don't affect just the one person with the illness. Yes. In a way, it affects us all. <coughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and kind of our lives are. Our lives are all linked, right? We, right? we don't just care about ourselves and we don't say like, when somebody you love is going through something, whatever it is, you don't just say, oh, like, that's too bad for you. Yeah. yeah Moving no on ma- now. No know? one is an island unto themselves. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. It's very poetic. John Donne, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Poetry Cast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah. I mean, that English degree I had mm. is you know, got to be useful for something. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So now this is really interesting work, but I wonder if you could tell us, how did you get into it? How did I get into this? Um, so it's a bit of a winding road. Oh, um, yeah. I did my undergrad in physiology and cell biology, mm-hmm. and that was a very different field and world and environment, and I appreciate it. I really did not like being so detached from the people that you're allegedly trying to help. Okay. I also really did not like doing animal studies. (laughs) Um, 
I I just found that like really difficult and I mm-hmm. didn't want to continue to do that kind of stuff. Not that it's not important. It definitely is. But I w- thought differently of it. So when I was looking for grad school options, um, I was kind of considering more health science t- type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, because I took a, like a lot of neurophysiology courses, I had topics that were kind of interesting to me in my head and different diseases that I felt were kind of cool. Um, my biggest passion as a really big hockey fan was concussion. Okay. Um, very ironically, when I was in the process of reaching out to potential supervisors, I got a concussion. Oh, no. And I had to stop. Oh, no. um, so that experience also kind of put me away from concussion a little bit because I was like, oh, this is close to home. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But... I through that kind of winding road I found my supervisor he had this project going on he told me about it um he was kind of cool to let me recover um as well um so he was still around and signed me on and and kind of from there it just became something I felt more and more attached to um And do you see yourself sort of pursuing this work further? Or do you have any plans, um, you know, after this is all done? I think in some capacity, yes. Uh-huh. I don't know if I want to do a PhD, but I definitely think I want to, like, in some kind of way, do something, be it, like, therapeutic or in advocacy or something to kind of help those kind of people who aren't mm-hmm. necessarily recognized within healthcare, but... Yeah their lives are so decided by what is offered around healthcare. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, and 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 what does the kind of road to something like occupational therapy look like? Like is that Yeah, that's definitely something I've thought of. Yeah. Um so that's a two year program, professional school. Um it's run kind of in a similar capacity to like a physiotherapy program. I think more people are familiar with what that kind of looks like. So it's, it's very similar. Um, Occupational therapy also for anybody listening who doesn't know is sort of looking at rehabilitating people to continuing independence in activities of daily living. Right. Yeah. Um, So it's very focused on that type of thing. Yeah. Um, So somebody within OT, um, you know, their focus might still be the person with Parkinson's, yeah. but they could still kind of, they have more of an eye toward the other people around them. Cool. That's a really good eye to have. Thanks yeah. for uh, <laughs> thanks for coming and talking about that. That was a uh, super cool work. Um, but that's about all the time we have. So this has been GradCast, the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at Western University. I've been your host, Connor Chato, and my co-host was Yimin Chen. We've been speaking with Lisa Mashinsky, and this episode was produced by Gavin Tolometti. If you would like to be involved with the show or get in contact with us, email us at gradcastradio.com. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at gradcastradio. To listen to us, we are on CHRW 94.9 every Tuesday at 6 p.m. and every other Thursday at 1.30 p.m. You can also find all of our episodes on our website at gradcast.ca or on podcast apps like Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Alternatively, select podcasts have been uploaded to YouTube at GradCast Radio. Thank you for listening, and have a great night.